Hi everyone, and welcome to the next episode of the podcast. I'm delighted to have, it's, I'm going to say, old schoolmate of mine, Clint Hill. So before this, we were just actually reminiscing about some of the, the old days at our high school. But Clint, thank you very much for joining. Thanks for having me on, mate. Thank you. So I'm sure you recognise him anyway, but Clint's been a professional footballer for, well, for a long time. We won't, we won't divulge our ages. Um, but I've, I've, I've followed his career for, again, over 20 years. So I'm really keen to see, see what he's been up to and just hear what he's been up to. So um, first question, Clint. So I'm really intrigued. So when we're playing at Birdell High School, at what point did you start to get scouted by Tranmere or whoever else? So I'd probably be the same kind of pathway as, as most of most of the kids these days, really. It'd be school football, like we said, Birkdale High School. Um, I managed to then play for, I think it was Sefton at the time. Uh, managed to play in, in that kind of county level for, for a, about a year. Um, lucky enough to get scouted then to go and play for Merseyside. Um, managed to play a few games for them. Um, and during one of those games, a Tranmere scout was there. Uh, and, and pretty much went over to my parents and said, "Do you mind bringing Clint over?" I think it was I think it was only one one or two nights a week back back then, Tuesday Thursdays, uh, just for training. Um, and it just slowly progressed from there, really, mate. To be honest with you. Mm. And so, when you're going to these, like, what was your expectations at that point? Did you like think you were going to make it, or what were you thinking? No, no, I don't. What what I did know was I love football. And I don't know, you, you'll probably tell me, I always had a football every break time, uh, even after school, all my hours were playing football out on the streets. Um, and I, I knew I knew I enjoyed it. I knew I was okay at it. Did I ever think I'd be, go, be on to go and be a, a professional footballer? Not really. Did I want to be? Yes. But I, I didn't really know that, that I would make it because it, the, the percentages are so short. The thousands of um, young kids trying to be in the professional game, and there's such a small percentage that actually do make it. Um, but I was willing to give it a go and, and, and put the hours in like everybody else. So I remember one particular game. So we were playing in a Merseyside game for Birkdale, and they are Savio. So they're one of the big football teams, and they have this guy, I can't remember what his name was up front. And everyone was like, This guy, I think he was on Everton's books at that time, and he was. He is going to be professional. He's going to boss it. And I remember you just absolutely dominated him. I think they won the game, but you were just class. And I was just like, God, he is. It was like having a man playing in our team. Like we had a good team, yeah. but yeah, I don't know if you remember that game. But it was just like, yeah, no, I remember the game. Um, I think um, later on that season we were in the same team, and a few of the lads from Savio um, went into the Merseyside um, with me. So, yeah, it's, it's quite interesting that you're competing against each other to, to win these games. And then within a few weeks, you're, you're on the same team. Um, but I do remember that game. It was a great school, um, great PE teacher at the time as well. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed my school years. Yeah. Really did. So, so like, again, we could see that you were just different class from, from that level. But when you turn up at Tranmere, what was the standard like with the other lads? Um, it... It was tough. It was, it was good. I mean, obviously, I was in the 15s and 16s. Um, it, it's quite daunting, really, because a lot of scousers, a lot of big big personalities, big characters, um, obviously going from kind of the Southport 
kind of crew that I hang around with, and then your school, and then you're going into this other arena with with different characters and and, and different personalities. Um, I, I was kind of withdrawn, if you know what I mean. It was a little bit shy um, until I actually got out to a football pitch, which kind of followed me throughout my career. Whenever I walked over that that white line, I became a different animal. I, I don't know why that was. It, it cost me a few quid. It cost me a few games of suspensions as well. Um, but I've always found that as soon as I go over that white line, uh, this competitiveness comes out of me that I just don't want to lose. Mm. And were there any players that you were playing with there that you went in and thought, well, this is, yeah, I'm, I'm in the real level now? Um, it probably became probably more YTS, more my YTS years. So from about 17, 18, 19, then you start, really seeing the technical ability of these players. We, we had um, a young Jason Kumas, who was an unbelievable player, who went on to a fantastic career. Uh, Alan Marn, another one, uh, Irish boy with a wonderful left foot, um, went on to have a great career. Perry Taylor was another one who, who had an outstanding youth career, um, but sl- couldn't quite make it to being a, a full-time professional. Um, so so you've, you're up against the best of the best, really. Uh, obviously, the system's changed now. We used to play against the Man Uniteds, the Liverpools, the Evertons, and you were playing against the best of the best. So the challenges were there every week, and it was it was um, it was a good upbringing, a real good upbringing. Mm. Because Tranmere, then that you you guys were always vying for promotion to the well, what Premier League? Mm. You you're always at the top end of it. And so, like, but when you went in there, we, you know, my background now is in terms of medical devices and, like, we see a lot of training facilities. What was the facilities like at Tranmere when you went in there, both the training but also medical? Um, from, a, from a medical point of view, you, you never wanted to be spend any time with the physio. It, it was frowned upon. Um, you were never welcome in there because it was kind of seen as unless it was a major injury, don't get me wrong, but any kind of little niggles or tiredness or anything like that was, no, no, no that's not acceptable. You want to be a professional footballer. There's very, very rare um, times in your career where you feel 100%. Every other time, you've got to go out maybe a little bit tired. You've got a few knocks. So it kind of prepared you for that. Les Parry was his name, one hard man. And if you ever, if you were ever unlucky to be injured for a certain amount of time, then, yeah, you didn't want to go back there because he worked you hard. He worked you hard. He got you fit. Um, you got you rehabilitated. But he also made you aware that you don't want to spend time in this room. You want to be out on the pitch. So so that's the way it was. It was pretty much old school. Um, but I call it the right school because I've managed to see both sides of it. And I still think we can learn a hell of a lot from that old school upbringing and the core values. So, yeah, I'm, I'm still very much old school, but I'd, and little bits of the new school in there. So was that that came from the physio, but also was it from your teammates, the manager? Was that everyone's mentality as well? Yeah, it was. Um, it, was a, it was a tough school. The YTS were two years. Um, so we, we'd done all the, the little jobs. You had to clean boots. You had to clean the toilets. You had to paint the walls, make sure everywhere was tidy. Um, you had your own little individual jobs every week. So one week you'd be on the footballs, one week you'd be on the vans, make sure they're clean and acceptable. And it was all kind of, um, it was developing you really to, to take pride in, in in that job that you had for that week and to make sure everything was spot on, take pride in it. And then when you actually got to the football, it made you appreciate things more. 
Um, I know the game's changed now and a lot of young lads don't even do to, do jobs no more. They don't do boots or anything. Um, but I, I love the upbringing. It brought all the young kids together. Um, I think there's about 20, 20 kids back then, two different age, age groups. And it was fantastic times. Fantastic time. The camaraderie you had, um, you went out onto the pitch, you, you were together. Um, obviously, a little club like Tranmere, you're playing the big Man United and Liverpools. You want to do them. So it was, it was great times. Hard, but very, very, um, very welcoming. Very welcoming for me. And so when you're on that YTS, then at what point do you realise, actually, I'm going to get a professional contract here? Um probably towards the end, probably the last last three three months, really, I think. I remember getting called into the office. Um, Warwick Rimmer was, was, was the coach back then, a fantastic youth team coach, um, and said, listen, we would like to offer you a one-year professional contract, which was like, you can imagine that being a young kid and the word professional is, is put onto you. And you're like, wow, I've actually kind of made that first step into this. Quickly signed that one-year contract. Um, but also knew that the hard work only just was only just beginning because now you were playing with men, training with men every day, every week. Um, you're playing against a different kind of calibre of player who maybe have had 20 years more experience than I have. So it, it, you had to learn quickly on the job. Um, but yeah, that, I'd say the last, three, the last three months of my YTS was when I really knew that, that I'd, I'd get a professional contract. And so when you do go in and start training, were you training with the with the U team and then you sort of completely randomly then straight into the first team? Yeah, so I think it'd be, I think the, I'm trying to think, I think there was two age groups there that I think I kind of went in as first year professional and I think the, the groups were split. So kind of like a reserve kind of team and the first team would train on, on the other side. Um, and you'd probably have to wait for your chance maybe an injury from the first team uh, or they were short on numbers and you might get your chance to go and train with them. Um, and and that, that's, that's what you had to prepare for because you might only get one chance. So you had, to, you had to get over that side of the pitch and you had to make an impression. Uh, one way or another, you had to make an impression so you, you, you get the chance to go back again and again and again. Um, and, and the reserve games, the reserve games were a different level. I mean, my, my debut... For the reserves, we played against Leeds and Tony Yaboa was playing and Wallace, Rod Wallace. Fantastic. That's my first game. And I'm playing against these seasoned professionals who were playing in the Premier League at the time. It was mm. fantastic. Yeah. What was Yaboa like? Because, I mean, what a player he was. Oh, I mean, it's changed now. The games have changed. Um, but you play, you get to play at the pit, at the ground of the choice, um, the team you're playing against. So I think we played at home. So I played on the first team pitch under the lights with a few thousand fans. And I was playing against Tony Yaboa and Rob Wallace, all these experiences that you've never had had to deal with before. Um, and yeah, I loved it. It was a great game. I can remember both of them were, were fantastic players. Um, but yeah, I, I just did what I did. I tried to get stuck in and try and upset a few people at the time. <laughs> and so what was it like when you made your who was your first team debut against um, so that was against yeah I think I was against Nottingham Forest I think I, I was just 18 I think I just turned 18 we played Nottingham Forest away um, and that was Pierre Van Hoydonk and Kevin Campbell at the time so <laughs> what, what, what a 
what a test that was. I think we managed to get a 2-2 draw on the day, which was fantastic. Um, and obviously playing in front of 18, 19,000 fans, which I've never done before. And to play against them kind of strikers was like just heads just exploded. Too much excitement going on. Yeah, no, I can imagine. Yeah, two absolute legends, legends players. So what, what was it like then when the man was it Aldridge the manager then? Yeah, John. John was the manager. He gave me my debut at the time. Um, I didn't know I was playing until the actual coach journey. Um, I knew I was in the squad, but didn't know I was going to play or anything like that. There was a few injuries. Uh, and then he pulled me over uh, as we're on the motorway uh, and said, listen, you're going to play tomorrow. And I was like, wow, wow. She said, don't worry about it. Just get a good night's kit. Just go and enjoy yourself. No pressure. And then as soon as we were just getting off the bus, I think, he said, lads, just meet us in the um, in the bar at six o'clock. So we're like, okay, must be having a meeting. So we get in the bar and he's lined up about 15 pints, 15 pints on the bar. And I'm like 18 going, what's going on here? So he said, listen, big game tomorrow. There's a few lads who are making the debuts. Um, just have two or three pints, just relax your nerves and make you sleep better. So I was 18 years old, drinking pints on a Friday night um, before one of the biggest games of my career. But I look back at it now and the psychology of it was brilliant because you just wanted to calm your nerves and, and make you feel welcome and uh, and not kind of sit in my room daunting the next day, really. Oh, yeah, that is a great story. Because, like, I mean, your, your manager is like an absolute legendary player. So what was it like? What was he like? Uh, I mean, what was your interaction like with him? Well, I mean, obviously trained with him a few times um, and against him, uh, he, he was tough. He was a tough player. Um, very good, very good in the air, very good goal scorer, anything in the box. He was he was prolific. Um, and then he, I think I played in his last game. I played in his last, he played a manager. I played in his last game against Wolves. Uh, I think we won 2-1. He scored two goals. What a way to finish your career. And then he went into the management side of it. Uh, obviously seen something in me. Um, kept playing me. I think he gave me the armband. Uh, I went. I went through a very rough time. My first three or four years, I was getting my my discipline was ridiculous. Um, I was just get, getting on the pitch. I was too aggressive. Um, I wanted people to know that I cared too much, if you know what I mean. And that led to me getting sent off and red cards three or four times a season. Um, so I owe him a lot because I think if if he wasn't the manager. Um, then maybe I wouldn't have had the career out because he, he did stick by me. You know what I mean? And, and a lot of people probably wouldn't for those two or three years of my, of my professional career. Mm. So how did he manage that then? Like how, how, what, what was he saying to you? Did he spend much time with you? Or? He, he, you know what? He, we, had our, we had our arguments, to be fair. We, we were very, very alike in terms of character. We had our arguments. Um, we had our beliefs in, in, in how we play and... and and what we do, um, but he just stuck by me. He stuck by me. You know, he kept playing me. He kept believing in me. Uh, I went to see a sports psychologist that he recommended for uh, a few sessions. Um, so he, he cared about me. He cared about me. We, we clashed. We argued, um, but it was never personal. Um, and he always showed that he cared about me by obviously sending me to a psychologist by keep playing me by giving me the armband. Um, and like I said, I, I owe him a hell of a lot for, for, for the career I've had. Mm. Yeah, one of my memories, so I remember I was sat with my 
university mates. It was in my final year, and we, we, I'd been following your career, obviously, because, you know, it'd only been a few years since we'd been playing at school. And I remember the semi-final against Bolton, it was 2000, and you scored the winner at, um, well, at the Reebok, as it was then. Yeah. I was remember just I was like so excited and that even my housemates didn't have a clue who you were, but just because they a sort of seven degrees of separation, they knew me. And I was just like, I oh got so excited. And then I don't know what the what the score was in the um the, the second leg, but I just remember thinking that was a diving header at the back post, I remember it. Yeah. Yeah. No, well to be fair, I think um <clears throat> I missed the second leg because I think it was a, a culmination of yellow cards or something. So I knew I'd play the away game, I'd miss the home game. Um, so there, I think there was two, the left back and me. So um, John obviously pulled us two over before the game and said, listen, you owe us something here. You've got to, you play this game, set us up in the right direction for, for to get them back at home, back at Prenton Park. So make sure we take something positive back to Prenton Park. Um, so that kind of stuck in my head. Big rivalry between us and Bolton. For, for a few years before that as well. So it was a big game, big derby. Uh, and like you said, I managed to, I managed to get on the, the end of a flick on back post, 1-0 against the enemy. Uh, the celebration was, was fantastic. And obviously we went 1-0 up and we took that into Prenton Park and I think we demolished them at home. I think the scoreline was something like 4-5-1 or, or something. We absolutely tore them to bits. So. But we managed to, to do our bit in that kind of first leg really, which was good which was good because um, I had to sit on my bum for the second one, which wasn't great. Mm. So then so the, when your career was coming to an end at Tranmere, how did that come about? Um, yeah, not great to be fair because I've been, I've been there since I was what, 16. I signed a contract, four-year contract at 19, I think. Um, and I got to 20... Three, I think, just 23, 24 at the time. And, and they never came to me with a new contract. They never they never came to, to upgrade my contract during those four years. Um, so that there was no communication. And I just felt I wasn't really appreciated or respected for what I did there. Um, so decided to, to, to test the water, really. Um, I think the Bosman just came in around that kind of time. Um, so... Unfortunately, I kind of left under a bit of a cloud, which, which wasn't nice because I spent such a great time there. Um, but the chairman wasn't really forthcoming with any kind of improvement on the contract. So I thought, right, sod yeah, I'm going to have to go and look after myself here. Um, and that's how I ended up at Oldham, I think, for a year under Ian Dowie. And so uh, how do you, for that move, but then in general, like what made you, why would you choose a particular club, for example, like why Oldham? Was it just that was available or money or what was it? Um, a bit of both, really. They, they had Ian Dowie, who was an up-and-coming young manager at the time, um, who spoke unbelievably when I went to meet him. Um, they had a chairman who was willing to to back him and, and try and get out of the league. I think it was League One at the time. Um, so all the components were there for, for a successful season. The squad they had and they were building was, was brilliant. Um, so as soon as I sat down with Ian... I thought, yeah, this is the kind of project I want. Um, so I went there and we had a great year. We had an unbelievable year. Unfortunately, I broke my leg after, I think, 19 games at Crystal Palace away in a, in a cup game, which kind of ruled me out for most of the season. I think I made it back for the last three games 
but um, the, the team were, was unbelievable and the work ethic was hard, very hard. Some of the training methods were, were an eye-opener, but they, do, they did benefit you in, in the long run. Mm. So in terms of your injuries, that's obviously a serious one. How, how important was the medical team when you were going to a football club? Like, would you look at facilities before you went there? Would you meet the staff? No, no, no you wouldn't because the, the, the main person you really want to interact with is, is the manager. Because ultimately, he's going to be the person who picks you or not, and 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 lead the club uh, in the way that he wants. So you have to you have to kind of find a rapport and a respect um, for that main head figure. Um, so he's the main person that you want to speak to. Uh, Oldham, very old school club, traditional facilities weren't great. Um, I wouldn't say anything magical in the t- in, in terms of the rehab kind of structure or the equipment available. Um, but I didn't want to spend much time in there anyway, so I didn't really look at that. Uh, but unfortunately, I broke my leg um, quite badly. I had to have it pinned and plated, but um, the hospitals and the surgeons he used were, were first class. Um, but unfortunately, I think the rehab uh, affected me because I don't think it was great. Uh, I don't know if that if that was a bit of me as well as, as, as the physio at the time, but it took me a long time to get over that injury. How long were you out for? Well, I think it, it, so I I was out for five months. I think I made it back for the, the playoff games, um, which we unfortunately lost 1-0, I think, to QPR. Um, and then administration came in, so Oldham had to sell players because um, the chairman decided that he didn't want to go down that kind of route again. So I was sold to Stoke. Um, and I think that injury kind of was stuck with me for, I'd say, about a year. And I think I had to go in and get another washout and another bit of um, a, a bit of trimming uh, just to get over that. So another operation I had to go through. And how did you cope with that, with being injured, that being someone who is, uh, just want to be playing a lot, you really just got that competitive stuff. Yeah, not great, not great. I mean, obviously I broke my leg. I was in a big, I was in a big plaster up to my hip for, uh, God, I think it was eight, eight to 10 weeks. So I was on crutches, uh, couldn't do anything. You feel yourself wasting away. You look at your leg, and it's it's the size of that, and it, it's it, it's soul destroying. It really is. Um, but then, obviously, you make small progresses along that journey, um, and you feel yourself getting back. Um, but it, it affected me. It affected me mentally, but it affected me physically more because I think um, I went to Stoke that year, and I must have played got twenty games, if that, because of this this reoccurring injury that I had with my broken leg. Mm. Frustrating. Yeah, no, I can imagine that would be really frustrating. So are you, when you're injured then, how much time are you spending with the team? Are you doing your rehab at the club or you do that? Yeah, so it's all separately. So, I mean, uh, I I was at home for for large periods of that first kind of uh, rehab stage, which I couldn't do anything for, I think, eight to ten weeks. So I was sat at home while the lads were playing, uh, winning, scoring goals, climbing up the league. Um, and I was obviously one of the big summer signs. I'm sat on my backside watching football and, and kind of just wasting away because I can't do anything with this bloody big uh, leg thing. Uh, so, yeah, it's hard. That's the side of football that um, probably people don't see. Mm. And then how long were you at Stoke for? So man, I went to Stoke. Um, I spent four, I think four years there. Again, uh, for, for whatever reason, ravaged by injury. Just absolutely 
ankle injuries, uh, done my cruciate ligament, uh, which kept me out for a, for a big period of time. Uh, had to go back in, into that cruciate to, to get it washed out with scar tissue. It was just a horrendous time. I only played 80 games, 80 games in four years. So uh, loved it there. Great club, great fans, um, great setup. So my first kind of experience of a big club. Um, I mean, the, the stadium was fantastic. The training ground, the facilities like you're talking about, the medical equipment was totally different. Um, but unfortunately, I, I just had a torrid run with injuries and I just couldn't get over it. Uh, I think, like I said, I only played 80 games in four years, which which isn't great, really. Mm. And so how have you seen things change from, like, you've been played up until recently, but how have you seen those, like, facilities, both in terms of coaching, training, medical like, would you think your rehab would have been vastly different if you were to have done this, if you were playing now? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think probably one of the biggest changes is on that side of, of the game. Definitely the rehab, um, the nutrition, <clears throat> the supplements, um, the, the, the training regime, the training programmes that you get, uh, everything that you do from a Monday to a Friday is, is built in for you personally, if you know what I mean. So, so you need to do your high speed intensity runs. You need to get your max speed runs in during the week. So all these training sessions that, that I've had to develop over the two and a half years at Fleetwood uh, has been an eye opener for me, really. So I never got to do that as a player. We just old school five-a-sides, 11v11s. But now you've got all these other little things coming into it, like, like I've just touched on there. You've got to get your high speed maximum runs in uh, during the week high intensity days might be a Tuesday. So, so you're ready, your body's robust enough to go into these Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday games. So I think if I had all of that, my, my injuries and my recovery would have been, yeah, God, yeah, five, time, five to 10 times faster than, than what I experienced at the time. Mm. So after Stoke, what happens next? Um, so I'll get a phone call off Neil Warnock, um, great character in the game. Uh, my time at Stoke was, like I said, injury ravaged. Um, spoke to Tony Pulis, who who would who would have offered me another year, but sometimes you feel you just got to leave. You've got to leave. You've got to go refresh. You, you need to get out of of that kind of rut that you're in with injury wise. And uh, Neil Warnock rung me up uh, and said, "Listen, son, do you fancy coming play for me down in London? So South London at the time. I was very skeptical about it. I'm a, I'm a Northern lad. Just had my first." Um, child my daughter so I was a little bit uneasy with it um so I went down spent three months uh, on loan to begin with um loved it absolutely loved it he gave me that kind of joy back into my life and into my football you know what I mean because I've been such on a on a bad run injury wise he put me straight in the team and I think we went 18 games unbeaten went up into the top six so it was just a fantastic loan experience for me to play for that kind of manager as well was um, mm. really kind of reinvigorated me as a person and as a player. I've actually, I finished his book about 10 days ago and that was one of the reasons why I got in touch with you actually. <laughs> you get mentioned more than anyone in that book. Right. Oh, right. Okay. Hopefully good, mate. Hopefully good. You no, know, it's all, it's all very complimentary because I think you, you, you will go into, but you, you, uh, you followed him around to a couple of different clubs after that as well, didn't you? But what was it yeah. that you think you, you loved about that move? Was it like moving south? Was that, did that play a part in it? No, I, I was, I was very against it. I was very against it. I didn't, 
I got down there for I spent a whole I spent sorry the first three months in a hotel on my own because uh, I was only on loan um, and everything about London was I don't know it, it just didn't didn't agree with me to begin with um, maybe that was in my mind as well I didn't give it the chance that it deserved um, so for the first month month and a half I felt really unsettled uh, but loved the football and loved the training and loved the lads um, but then as soon as I moved in. To, to a house and my family came down everything changed I just loved it down there great place to live um, great experiences great people I've met uh, and I really enjoyed London I ended up staying down there for god eight eight and a half years I think in the end mm. so then so you're on loan there so what happened after that three months so we had a three month loan um, and if, if everything went well and we both liked each other uh, then I'd get a contract for, I think, a further two years. Uh, so I signed that contract in the December of that year uh, and signed for two years and, and kind of made that move down. Everyone, family came down uh, and we, we built a base down in South London. Um, great season we had then. I think we got into, into the playoffs. Unfortunately, I think we lost, we lost to Bristol City uh, by one goal. But it was a fantastic experience going from a relegation team into the playoffs. Uh, was a good achievement in the end. So was that at Palace? Yeah, Crystal yeah. Palace, yeah. Crystal Palace, yeah. And then, so you're there for, did you stay for the entirety of your contract there? Yeah, we do, yeah. So obviously we got playoffs. Um, the, the following years were kind of mid-table. Um, and then the last year of my contract, the, the club went into administration, which was just out the blue. I can remember us all flying up to Newcastle. We're going to play Newcastle away on the Tuesday. So we fly up on the Monday. We touch down in Newcastle. Everybody puts the phones on and it's going madness. Everyone's phone's going off. There's ringing, there's text messages. We're going, what's happened here? Is it, is it like another world war? Is there something gone on that, that we don't know about? Uh, and then we see that Crystal Palace have been put into administration uh, but not only that, they've been deducted, I think it was 10 points at the time. So we've gone from being a playoff team uh, into a relegation team in the space of an hour's flight. So, and we've got to go face Newcastle the following evening. So it was just, it was ridiculous. So it was tough. And I think that, that the game, the Newcastle game, we couldn't play two or three players. Um, I think we got the call an hour before the game saying you can't play I think it was Victor Moses. Uh, I think Nathaniel Klein was there at the time. And one more. We couldn't play them players because they wanted to sell them on as profit and, and assets. So we lost three of our best players uh, in the space of 24 hours. And it was just madness. You weren't getting paid on time. Uh, you, you probably only get 30% of your wages one month. Uh, it might be topped up the following month. There was obviously staff that were losing their jobs, cleaners, cooks, it was just a horrible time to, to, to be somewhere when you kind of build a rapport with people and you see them losing their jobs was was a hard time, real hard time. How do you cope with that mentally? Because, again, everyone always looks as professional football, as easy lifestyle, you train for a couple of hours a day, but that is a genuinely stressful period. How do you cope with yeah. that? It was hard. It was hard. We The, the one saving grace was we had one hell, of a, one hell of a squad in terms of characters, proper men, uh, proper experience kind of warriors and, and seasoned professionals. Um, so 
I think that was one of our saving graces at, at, for that season was the was the squad we had in the changing room. Um, obviously, people left uh, as I think the administrators started selling people off to try and keep the club afloat. But we were having, God, uh, probably two or three meetings a month with the PFA, trying to figure out how we're going to get these players paid, if we're going to get paid, um, what's the next step? Um, do we have to uh, put our notice into the club for two weeks and then we can leave? It was just the, all these questions were just coming at you. And then you had the, the added pressure of trying to keep the club, um, the club in the league as well. So you've got all these games coming, you're losing your best players, you don't know if you're getting paid, you don't know if you've got a job, and then you've still got to go out there and perform. And it was it was tough, but like I said to you, the one saving grace was that changing room. Incredible changing room. Um, and I don't know if you know the story. We went, we, we, we took it to the last game of the season. Uh, Sheffield Wednesday away against us. I think we needed to not get beat. Sheffield Wednesday had to beat us. And whoever obviously got the better of each other went, stayed up and one went down. So we, I think we got a 2-2 draw. We sent Sheffield Wednesday down at their ground on the last day of the season after being deducted 10 points. So it was, it was like winning the league. Never been done before. So it was, <laughs> it was just one hell of a crazy season, but all these little kind of experiences and, and things make you the character that you are. And yeah. you can't take the goodness out of it if you can, the experiences out of it. I think I was watching that on, you know, you know, on the on the TV at the time, and that was when there was a pitch invasion, wasn't there? I was in the middle of it. And yeah, you were in the middle of it. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, obviously, we've we've drawn the game, we've stayed up, absolutely buzzing. So make, you make your way over to the away end, um, and the Sheffield Wednesday fans coming on and they're spitting at you, and, and it's not very nice. But you just want to get to that um, away end and celebrate. So I'm thinking all the lads are there. We'll have a party and we'll celebrate in front of the fans. So I get there and I'm, I'm the only one there. I'm the only one there. So I start taking my shirt off because I'm leaving as well. So I want to show my respect. So I take my boots off, throw my shirt in. And then I turn around uh, and a steward comes over to me and goes, um, we have to go back through all that. I'm going, what? He said, yeah, we have to go back through all that there. And it must have been, I don't know, a couple of thousand on the pitch. There's a police cordon from one end of the pitch to the other to protect the, the Crystal Palace fans. So I'm thinking, sound, no problem. But the police will ex they'll escort me back to the, the tunnel. So I walk up, got the um, the steward next to me, and the police just go, and I'm gone. You're not going to help me here, lads, no? And he said, no, 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 mate, you're on your own. <laughs> so I was, there was just me and this poor steward who must have took one hell of a beating trying to run through these Sheffield Wednesday fans who are absolutely fuming with what's happened at the club. And I'm getting punched, I'm getting spat on, I'm getting kicked. And I'm like, but I was that, I was that high in terms of elation and relief that uh, yeah, I don't think a bus would have hit me and put me down. <laughs> that, that's how, that's like the kind of emotions that I was feeling. But when you look yeah. back at it, like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Did um, so when you get back in the dressing room with the lads giving you a bit of stick about being the only one out there or what was going on? To be fair, as, as I'm about um, 30, 40 yards away from the tunnel, a few of the lads must have known something was going on um, and they've all come out and started dragging me in um, and, and obviously throwing a few digs to get these people off us uh, and then we get back in the change rooms and it's just 
beers out everywhere. We're singing songs. Um, we, we had we had a couple of songs that kind of got us through that season. I think it was um, tonight's going to be a good night. Was it Black IPs? Today's going. To, yeah, I think that's that was one of them. And Five Hundred Miles was the other one. The Proclaimers. They, they were our two songs before we went out for every game. We would just go mad. That that'd be our warm up. Put them two songs on. We'd all dance. We'd all sing. We'll all go off our nuts, and then we'll go out and play. So. Yeah, well, yeah. I might get you back on to do a reenactment of that, but I'll give you one. Uh, no, no, <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> so you mentioned like some of the characters, and like not just with that, with that Palace team, but who were the big characters that you would say that you played with throughout your entire career? It'd be there's so many, there's so many different influences during my time, uh, from the Tranmere days. You had so many, you had the John McGreals, Dave Chalmers, Kenny Irons, then you, you go to Oldham and you'd have the Sheridan brothers, John John and Darren Sheridan brothers. Um, Ayers, he was there. I think he was 38, 39-year-old winger who was like a 19-year-old, just just fantastic. Um, you go to Stoke, big Jerry Taggart was was a massive influence for me, playing next to him. Uh, he, he'd kind of taught me all the, the the different dark arts that defenders do. To, to help them gain advantages over strikers. Uh, and then Crystal Palace was just just the true grit and determination to kind of get through ad- adversity and, and come through shine. There were so many in there. Danny Butterfield, Sean Derry, Paddy McCarthy, Matty Lawrence. God, so, so many. Mm. So, so many. So that's your final experience at Palace then. So amazing one. So then what was the next step? Um, so... Uh, a couple of months before the end of the season, Neil Warnock's left uh, and gone and joined QPR uh, to save them from relegation. Um, so I get a phone call in the summer from Neil saying, listen, did, did you fancy coming over? Uh, you know what I'm about. I know what you're about. Um, Two-year contract. And let's just go have some fun and see if we can get promoted. Um, Crystal Palace weren't in a position to offer me a contract at the time because of administration. So, yeah, I jumped to the chance. Went to live in West London. Unbelievable part of the world. I lived in Windsor for two, God, nearly five, six years. Yeah, in and around Windsor for five and six years, which was just a hell of a place to bring up your children and thoroughly enjoyed my time there. So, yeah, Neil, Neil took me to QPR. Fantastic time. So, at that point, like, do you become accustomed to the southern way of living and that just did change in your family? Um, yeah, I mean, I never, I very rarely ventured into town because it was just too manic. But every every now and then, you you jump in with the family and everything's on your doorstep. So twenty four seven, something's open. Um, so we thoroughly enjoyed our time when we did pop into London, um, and then obviously I moved to Windsor, which was just a beautiful place in terms of countryside and walks and dogs, dog walks and all that kind of stuff, which I do like. Um, but I loved it down there. I did. Mm-hmm. And I, I felt like I, when I finally did leave, yeah, it was a bit of a wrench, to be honest, in the end. Mm. Yeah, well, again, I, I recently watched the, uh, the four-year plan, which you're featuring, you know, the QPR. <laughs> I mean, again... I don't know how they called it a plan. I don't know how they called it a plan. <laughs> yeah. if, no, if, uh, if you haven't seen the four-year plan, you've got to watch it. So Clint signings is featured in there. Well, yeah, that is, that is remarkable, isn't it? 
So what did you think through like your experience there? Because it's just it seemed absolutely crazy, all of that that management and the ownership and so on. Yeah, God, I had six years there, man. Six years of just pure joy, excitement, anger, <laughs> every kind of emotion you can feel. Um, so we've joined that 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 team that summer. Um, Neil Wong has Wong has gone in. Um, the club's kind of changed a little bit. The Flavio and and um, I can't think of the other fella. The, the two F1 chairman weren't quite as involved as they were in that four-year plan, where they were dictating teams and, and picking subs and all sorts of madness. So Neil Warren's gone in and said, "Listen, I can't be having that. I can't be having that. So let me do my job." And, and they were fine. So that first year, we absolutely tear the championship up. It was just the, from the first minute to the last, we just clicked as a team. Um, never expected to in, in, in that kind of uh, manner, but we found ourselves champions of, of, of the championship after that first season. And the, the team spirit um, was fantastic. We had a very, very special player in terms of Adele Tarabat, who's one of the best players I've ever seen and experienced a, a football pitch with. Um, but a bit of a loose cannon as well. <laughs> it's, it's always the way, what, what comes with genius is a little bit of madness as well, isn't it? Um, and he was a joy to play with that first year, uh, helped us kind of achieve what we wanted to achieve, which was promotion to the Premier League, which was just mind-blowing, absolutely mind-blowing. So for you then, so how old were you then when you, you won the championship, which I know was controversial because you had those points almost oh, Nothing ever easy, is it? Nothing ever easy. I must have been 28, 28, 29. I think I was about, yeah, 29, 30, I think I was pushing. Um, and obviously, Neil Warner signs me. We signed seven or eight players and we just go on this fantastic journey. But then we, we've signed a Argentinian midfielder, Alejandro Fallin. Unbelievable player, fantastic player in person. But the FA start doing some digging and they find there's an irregularity in the contract of some sort, third-party ownership, I don't know. And then and there's stories coming out that we might get a 10-point deduction. We might not get promoted. We might not even make uh, the playoffs. And we're like, well, we're the best team in the league. So, so how can this be done? So this has got to this story... Uh, and it's only ended literally half an hour before kickoff on the last game of the season. It, so we've gone all through this way. The last week of the season, we're thinking, are we champions or what? We, we've won the league the week before. So we can't even celebrate because the FA might take this trophy off us. It was just madness. And then the chairman's come down just before we go out for a warm-up. He's come down screaming, crying. Um, he's, he was an Italian fellow, Gianni Palladini, and he's going, I told you, I told you, I was right. I told you I was right. And he's crying. And that, that's the first time that we actually realised that we were champions. Half an hour before the last game of the season. <laughs> uh, we don't want to be, like, as you can imagine, you don't even want to play because you're just thinking, I just want to celebrate now. Yeah. yeah. So the game was like a non-entity. It was just yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, no, I can imagine. So then throughout that, you've made it to the Premier League. It's like, before we get to that point, is there any other times when you think you could have moved, you knew about moves potentially to the Premier League? Like, how big a, 
reality was that for you to have done it before then? Um, no, I, I, me, I me being say Everton fan, Clint. Like I remember when I was an Everton fan, and I remember you being linked with Everton. I think when you were at Tranmere, I don't know if that was a serious yeah, thing. Or... That was, I think, I was Tranmere at the time. Um, I think Walter Smith might have been the manager then, uh, and we always had a we always had a friendly every summer. Um, Tranmere Everton. And we played against each other a couple of times in the cup as well. I think we beat you 3 0 uh, in that cup game at Goodison. Um, yeah, so, so I, I remember little stories, but nothing, nothing ever materializing from it. And probably that's my own, uh, my own detriment was because I was just unreliable. I was, I was a bit of a, a loose cannon, uh, getting red cards, uh, too much disciplinary issues, and, and teams probably were a little bit scared of that, to be honest with you. So I had to find a different route, which I managed to do. Mm. So what was that like then? So you've made it to the Premier League. Like how big a goal was that? Was that something you you thought about, or was it just you just getting on with playing, playing for whoever you're playing for? Um, I, I don't think you ever, I don't think you ever think you get there until you actually do. It, it's so tough. It is so tough to get there. Um, but I was very lucky to to kind of jump on board a team that was just destined to get there in in that first season. Um, we had some really, really good players. Uh, like I said, we stormed that that championship that year. I think we got twenty, I think twenty four or twenty five clean sheets. We scored a bundle of goals. Um, so I was very lucky that I, I managed to be a part of a team that kind of got to the Premier League um, to experience it because I might not have got the chance otherwise. Really, from a, if, you, if you're talking about a transfer, I don't think that would have ever happened, mm. especially at that late that late time in my career. Yeah. And so how did you find the transition from playing in the well in the second tier to the Premier League? Um yeah, it was you know what it, it's mentally um never felt especially that first year, kind of never felt that I belonged there. Never felt that I was kind of uh, had the, uh, the the technical or the physical kind of attributes to, to to be a Premier League player. I don't know why that is. That's probably my own kind of mental. Uh, shortcomings during that year, um, maybe because I spent most of my time in that kind of League One Championship. I, I thought I was that kind of player. Um, I think I, I think I played that first game that season. I got sent off, so it was just it was a mess. It was a mess. I was looking forward to it so much, um, and then I go and let myself down again by by getting sent off in the first game of my Premier League career. Um, so again, I've had to pick myself up off the floor. I've had to go out on loan because I wasn't in the team um, and, and kind of build my way back into into the first team after that that loan to Nottingham Forest, I think it was. Mm. Yeah, you, you always seem to have been like a fan's favourite there as well. You've been captain at a lot of places. You've won player of the season. I know you did at QPR, didn't you, when you were in the Premier League? Um, yeah. What, what do you think that's down to? Obviously, ability, but what... what why do you think you've been captain and why do you think you've won that players like fans award so often? Um, probably, I don't know, but probably attitude, um, mentality. Uh, and I, I, was, I, was, I was a good communicator in terms of, uh, I'd kind of lead from the pitch. I'd, I'd, I'd direct people on the pitch, if you know what I mean, with communication. I'd talk to people, I'd drag them into spaces where we'd be a little bit more solid. Um, so maybe, maybe managers looked at that and thought, yeah, that, that, that's what we want in a captain. Um, 
I was never, I wouldn't say I was the best player or I could do magical things, but uh, I could always be relied upon, I think. So, so maybe they were kind of the attributes that, that managers look for at that current, that current time. Yeah, and fans, I guess, isn't it? You're always, you're always doing, doing your utmost. Yeah. What's that? Sorry. Have you got any, have you had any managers that you actually didn't get on with? You just had a clash with? Um, possibly clashed with, yeah. I think Mark Usaby, Mark Usaby, the, the, the main one, I think, uh, at that time, just because we've, we've had this core squad that managed to get us to the Premier League. Uh, Neil Warnock's got the sack, uh, I think, the December of that, that year that we've got into the Premier League. Mark Hughes has come in. And then started buying all these these, these kind of players and, and replacing the good lads out, and the wrong characters were coming in, and the mix was just was just wrong. Um, but we managed, obviously, we, we managed to survive that year, just because we had the core squad um, of the championship winning season. I think we have five, six, seven players left, um, but and we managed to survive by the skin of our teeth, which is the the, the famous Man City game. Um, but yeah, Mark. Mark was. I don't know. Mark. I played against Mark, and I, I loved it. I loved playing against him, and he was the kind of player and character that I that I enjoyed. If you know what I mean, he was tough. He was a disciplinarian. He gave, he gave everything, um, and I thought he'd be the perfect kind of fix for us at that that moment in time in terms of manager wise. Um, but yeah, it's very disappointing. Very very disappointing. Everything that I thought he'd be. Um, he failed to be, unfortunately. So we had our moments where we, we just disagreed. So what was that then? Like, how did that come about? What, what were you expecting? Um, well, I heard stories. <clears throat> Obviously, he was at Blackburn Rovers. Um, he, he was very well organised. Um, heard stories that he was, he was tough. He was a disciplinarian. Um, he'd make sure the dressing room was running the right way. And he'd take no crap. Um, so I thought that's what we needed at that, that, that kind of moment in time. Um, unfortunately, he came in and I just never really got those feelings from him. He was a little bit, he was a little bit aloof. Um, he'd never really speak to you. Um, his, his training sessions and his coaches, I, I did enjoy, to be honest with you. So I'll, I'll definitely give him respect for that. I enjoyed the training, but it's just the way he, he managed the squad and the players and the recruitment side of things that just kind of kind of ruined everything for me, really, in terms of what 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 I wanted and what I what I thought the club was about. Mm. So you uh, we'll come back to that as well. But you mentioned that Man City game, and I think everyone who's into football watched that game, and I, I, I vividly remember it. But what was the, what was the experience like? Because you you almost forget that because you remember Aguero. Well, like, what yeah. was it like for you guys? Well, obviously, we, we I can't remember that. The, I think Stoke Stoke played Bolton, and I think Bolton had to better our result or something like that for, for, for them to stay up and us to go down. Um, but I think they lost to Stoke. So we go, obviously, we're playing Man City at the same time, and we've got to win or something. And we're thinking, bloody hell, it's Man City. They, they, they're playing to win their first Premier League. Obviously, we've got a play to survive. So we're like, God, all these things are against us. Uh, and then the game kicks off and the atmosphere is 
amazing. Everyone's up for it. They've got unbelievable players on the pitch. We can't get out of our half. It's attack, attack, attack. I think they score, go 1-0 up. And we think, oh, God, here we go. But then all of a sudden we find ourselves get back in the game. It goes 1-1. Then it goes 2-1 to us. And we're like, how has this happened? <laughs> I think we've only got out of our half twice and we've scored. Um, and at that moment we feel, you feel the crowd kind of changing, the players changing, their managers going nuts on the sideline. And you just feel like, oh, we've got a chance here maybe of, of getting something. They, they, they do a few passes, goes out of play, the crowd get on them. They're a little bit nervous and edgy. And we're going, oh, you never know where we might, we just might do this. But then obviously they bring on, I think, Balotelli at the time. Aguero's on, Tevez is on, Silva's there. And then they bring Dzeko on as well. And it's, man, it's like the red arrows, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. They're just buzzing around. The silver's pulling you out of pockets. Jekyll's pulling back post. It was just like like the dream team. You put the dream team on, and unfortunately, we just couldn't. We couldn't sustain it. Um, I think Jekyll gets the header to make it two-two. We've got two or three minutes to survive, and then for some reason, we take the kick off. We just lump it. I don't know. I, th- I think we'd lump it into the corner or something, and it doesn't go out of play. And it comes back again at us. And Aguero you know, does what he does, takes us all on, slots it in the bottom corner. And I think, I think, me personally, I think we're down because we've lost the game. And I'm, I'm smashing the ground. I don't know if you can see it on the video. And then literally 10 seconds later, uh, a couple of lads who were playing up front said, what's wrong with you? We survived. We survived three, three or four minutes ago. I go, well, we didn't know. Like, why can't you tell us? You know what I mean? Like, so the back four, back five were too occupied with all these superstars. We didn't know that we'd stayed up two or three minutes before the actual goal went in. So yeah. we've gone from like this to like that. Just, yeah. I don't quite know how we did it. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic experiences, mate. Fantastic. Oh, no, I can imagine that'd be amazing. And you obviously being a, a Liverpool fan, you, it's a double perfect for you. So United don't win the league and you stay up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish I could say I was thinking about that at the time, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. that's amazing. So then you QPR, then did you go to Rangers next? Yeah, so I finished my time at QPR. I think I've done six seasons, six and a half seasons. Uh, club are going in a different direction. I think I'm 37 at the time as well. So I say, okay, fair enough. Uh, it's, it's time to kind of move and see what happens. Very quiet that summer. Nothing really is coming. Uh, a bit of interest from maybe League One, League Two. Um, and then I go on holiday. I get a phone call off a friend of mine um, who's just taken a player into Rangers. Says, listen, I think Glasgow Rangers want to sign you. And I've gone, nah, nah is this a wind-up? No, I'm 37 years old. This, this big old famous club can't surely want me. So leave it a week. I'm still on holiday, so I've got all these thoughts in my head going, oh, Glasgow Rangers, if I can go and play there, geez, that'd, that'd be fantastic. Um, and then I get a phone call again, and he's saying, listen, I think it's on. They, they want you. And I've gone, yeah, right, let's, let's, let's get it done. But I've still got a week of my holiday left. So I'm, I'm kind of sat on a sun lounger, not really wanting to be there. <laughs> so I want to go and sign for Glasgow Rangers. Um, 
well, probably because I don't want them to kind of go away. No, we don't want him now. I want someone else. So I just want to get there and sign it as quick as I can. Um, yeah, very strange how that, that came about. But what a, what a fantastic football club that is, by the way. Yeah, what an amazing, what an amazing club to not that you, you didn't finish them, but I mean, what what was it like going there? Because they are an absolute institution. That yeah, that's the word. That that's the word. Um, I think from the outside looking in, you realise it's a big club, but when you actually sit in there and you you get to experience it on a day to day basis, and I'm talking just normal life, it, it's it's on a different kind of stratosphere. Um, it's a bubble. Glasgow's very much a bubble. Two big football teams. Everybody kind of knows you one way or another. Uh, you could be walking down the street. You, you might get a hello, how you doing? Or you might get something else from the green side. <laughs> so it's it's very kind of mixed, the emotions that you get. Um, but yeah, it, it's very much a bubble. It's, it's intense, very intense. Um, but I, I think I made the right decision in terms of I didn't live in the centre of it. I made sure I lived in a little cottage at the bottom of a mountain where I can just go and walk with my dog for hours and not get kind of caught up in that hustle and bustle of Glasgow. Mm. What was um, like an old firm game like then? Yeah, uh, the, the, probably the, the biggest game with the best atmosphere I've ever played in. Um, the the, the, the league up is weeks ahead of the actual game. So that the papers are putting uh, headlines in from maybe 10 days before this actual game. And then you might go food shopping, you might go for a coffee, uh, you might go for a meal and all these different kind of Rangers people will come up to you and say, hey, big, big game. But it's like eight or nine days away. So make sure we do them. You, you, re you realise how big these games are too. So for eight or nine days, you're, you're building up to this game. And then when you actually get there, it's just, you can't hear yourself think. It's, it's the noise, the intensity. It's just on a, on a total different level of game I've ever played in my, in, in my career. Mm. You have to manage that, all this outside noise to actually try and perform. So it was, it was a totally different experience, but yeah. fantastic. Didn't win many, uh, didn't win many, unfortunately. Um, but managed to get um, a draw and I managed to score as well, which was a hell. Of, what what a dream that was scoring an old firm game. So where was where did he score? Was that Highbrook? Uh, it was at Celtic. So yeah, it was at Celtic. So even better. So um, sixty odd thousand Celtic fans going nuts, hating everybody with a blue shirt on. I think we stepped off the bus. Uh, we got one pound coins, fifty p's, ten p's. Could have maybe collected a few grand if you had the time <laughs> thrown at us. Um, and then you walk out during the warm-up. Yeah, you're along the, the touchline. You, you've got kids, mums, dads, granddads, great-granddads, and they're just, the faces, they just don't like you. You're not welcome, you know what I mean? Rangers, you're not, you're not welcome here. And they make it uh, known to you that you're not welcome. So it was, it was just, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Yeah. No, what an amazing, what an amazing experience. It's like that. You think of so many Premier League players won't have had that experience of playing in that. So no, that's, that is amazing. So, and then at what point do you start, you come to the end of the career, what point do you start to think, right, what am I going to be doing after football? You know what I was like? So, I, 
when, when you start out with football, you, you think, right, 35. If you can get to 35, that that's the kind of uh, the go-to age for, for retirement. Uh, obviously, you'll, you'll get the Ryan Giggses, you go to 40. Um, but my, my main aim was get to 35. So I got to 35. said, yeah, I feel good here. Another year, another year. Got to 37 uh, at Rangers, 38. Um, I think I would have, if the manager stayed, I probably would have got another year. Uh, but unfortunately, I think he left to, to go to Nottingham Forest. Um, and I got to 38 and I felt, I can still play. I can still play. I don't feel bad. I still train. I've had all my injuries young. So you know I mean? I'm not quick enough to get hamstrings or any calves or anything like that. Um, so I just kept going. Uh, and then I managed to finish my career at, um, at Carlisle, which was just brilliant. So I wanted to finish playing. So I managed to play 40, I don't know, 42, 43 games that season and, and just finish how I wanted it to finish which was perfect, playing football, playing week in, week out with a good set of lads. Mm. And then, like, after that then, so you decided you're doing that. Had you been in discussions with people to look into moving into coaching management? Uh, it was always it was always in, in kind of in the back of my head to do, but uh, even, when, even when I finished at Carlisle, I got offered another year to play. I got offered another contract, which would have took me to 40, um, and I could have easily done it, but... Then I got a phone call out the blue from from Joe Joey Barton, who just got the job at Fleetwood Town, uh, and said, "Do you fancy uh, obviously coming with me as my assistant manager um, and, and having a go at it?" And it just kind of fell into place, to be honest with you. Never really thought or planned for it to go that way. It just kind of fell in place for me, um, and then starting my coaching journey, which was another challenge. And so, what, how, how how did that go from being you you were like the, the star, the player, to being on the other side? It's it's as as players, as footballers, you think you know everything. That's just the way it is. Yeah. The amount of coaches that I've had in my time, and um, you don't realise the hours and the preparation that just go into an hour and a half session or watching a game back, analysing a game back, analysing the next opponents, um, preparing training sessions for the week ahead, months ahead. There's, there's just so many things that you just don't, as a player, you don't appreciate. Um, so, yeah, so switching from player to coaching was, I wouldn't say it was like a, a big jump for me, because I, I, I enjoyed it and I knew I would do it anyway. Um, but it was getting into that, that mentality of being a coach. So trying to get the player out and the coach in, but keeping all that knowledge and, and passing it on in the right way. So yeah, um, it was very interesting, but um, very enjoyable as well. Mm. And then, yeah, I know that recently you've, you've left that position. So what's, what's it like now? Now again, you, you're looking for potential of the jobs. What does it feel yeah. like the first time in, well, probably ever, isn't it? That you've, you kind of, you've got time. Yeah, well, I mean, the first time I've probably been out of work for ever since I was 16, really, 17. So it's a, it's a new experience for me. It's not one that I like. Um, I'm not built to, uh, to, to be indoors um, and do homeschooling. I'm not built for that. I'm, I need to be out. I need to be active. I need to be socialising with people. Um, but that, that's the world we live in at the moment. We're in lockdown. I'm not the only one who feels that. Um, so you've got to try and take some sort of positives out of this situation. 
I've, I've got to exercise. I've got to get out. Like I said, I need to get that adrenaline rush into me. I need to get the frustration. Because uh, if I feel I don't exercise, then I feel like everything kind of gets on top of me. So, so that's another new learning for me is that I need to keep active. Mm, yeah, because I guess you've had teammates, you've had you've had things to be, you've had programs, yeah. you've had all that for you, and all of a sudden now you're just you're on your own. Yeah, I mean, as players, you you have everything mapped out for you from a young age. You know, you you know what time you're turning up, you know how long your sessions for, you know if you've got to do weights, you've got a timetable. <laughs> You get food delivered for you, you get food prepared for you. So, um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's a totally different um, kind of development stage for me in a minute, but um, I'm thoroughly enjoying my time coaching, really desperate to get back in um, and learn some more, you know, and, and, and speak to people and, and watch videos and webinars and Zoom calls and everything. So I'm trying to keep busy, mate. I'm trying to keep busy and wait for the next opportunity. I'm sure. Well, Liverpool need a replacement for Van Dyke, so... <laughs> uh, maybe 30 years ago God, not now <laughs> no, Clint, I really appreciate your time on this I've, I've been wanting to talk to you about this for so long and it's really great to hear it and it's been amazing watching your career so I really hope you find uh, the next venture for you so um, thanks for your time and, and good luck with everything thanks very much mate, appreciate it no problem